Welcome back to Steel Sharp and Steel. Today we're going to talk about scenes in which I've, the Holy Spirit has shown me situations in which the U.S. dollar is no good, people are living off the grid, and different situations like this are what is happening. Now in the first stream I want to share with you, people are living in basically a deserted big box store. Could be a Walmart, a Kroger's, I don't know, but it's a huge store backed up onto a woods so that some people live in tents in the wood and some newcomers arrive and they're told we well, need to go to the main building so they go there there's some people there and they say well who are you what can you do and uh, do you have food now they said no we haven't eaten in a few days and they said okay here's some food now you're going to go see this person over here and they're going to assign you a job so everybody works and your food is provided it's kind of like a true uh, egalitarian communities that people really truly care for one another and but people also contribute what they have uh, not communism but just a community that works together and everyone needs to work and resources are kind of controlled by a central committee but it all seemed fair and that and that was the whole scene except for in the next scene they show that somebody has gone exploring inside this old abandoned big box store and they find some tunnels that go under the store, and it goes a long distance. And someone goes in there, and, they, and it opens up at some point into a large room, and they find in there basically an altar. And it's about human-sized, and there's a lot of blood on the top of it. And they're kind of shocked that this is there, and they decide that nobody wants to explore further down the tunnels because they're afraid of what or whom they might find. So that was the end of that dream. Now, I've had, now, here's a second dream. It's a similar type of a situation, except their living conditions don't seem to be as good. And there are many more people. There's a lot of mud. People have put up different wood and things so that when the rain comes, the trails aren't uh, uh, impassable. And there's a situation. A man is walking by, and there's an African-American woman, and she's giving birth, and she's screaming. And people are saying, there's no one here to deliver the child. We need to deliver the child. So he runs around and he's looking, looking, looking. He says, where are the midwives? Where are the nurses? And someone says, well, I don't know. Someone else says, I don't know either. And then someone finally says, I think that they're having some kind of a meeting over in the metal building. So the guy runs over and there's a building there. He opens the door and they're saying, we're having a meeting. Don't come now. He says, listen, someone's giving birth. And so immediately two of the women jump up. And they say, we'll, where at? Where at? We'll come. So they run and, and the woman delivers the baby. The baby's healthy. The mother's happy. Uh... People who are nearby are glad for her and congratulating her. So it's a community, again, that's working together. It's like Americans coming together, and it's all races, this group, this camp. It's all races, people just together, working together. And while they're celebrating this baby, an, another black woman comes over and says, guess what, my husband just got a job. And then a white wife comes over and says, really? Wow, my husband also just got a job. And then another woman comes over, a darker, a brown skin, could be Asian, Hispanic, comes over and she says the same thing. And my husband got a job. And then people begin to say, wow, maybe things now are going to turn around. So this is like the end of some kind of a period of devastation. There are a lot of homeless people and not insane people or people that just can't function because of an addiction or an unstable mental situation. These are people who want to work and are looking for jobs and professionals, nursing staff, right? They're in this camp. So it's it's a situation where there's something else going on, like the economy, there's some other something else 
driving the economy to be to stagnate. But then when these three men suddenly all get jobs and this baby is born, which is this symbolism and the dream that something new is beginning, right? Uh, they're all excited. So that's that's that dream. And in that dream, nobody is trading for money. Nobody's asking for money to deliver the baby. There, there's no question. These nurses, they're just going to do it. Uh, they're not asking to fill out insurance forms. Nothing like that is going on. Like this is, these people are living off the grid, right? So, but they all work together and they support one another. People are respectful of each other. Now, this dream was a very short dream. It starts off, there's this woman, she's corpulent, uh, she's well-fed, she even has thick fingers, and uh, she's a very meticulous woman. She goes about her house. Her home is quite nice, um, uh, and she goes to bed one night. She has a nice bed, nice blankets, and her whole house, she keeps very neat. Everything's in order, and she goes to bed one night, and she wake up, wakes up in the morning, and she finds out that she has no money. So for a moment, she's really devastated. She's like, oh, I can't believe it. What will I do? And she's fearful for a moment. And then for a moment, and suddenly she realizes, wait a minute, I had this other priceless thing. And in the dream, it kind of appears as this huge uh, blue sapphire, like the size of her chest, really. And um, she's like, where is it? So she looks under the bed. It's not there. She looks between the mattresses. It's not there either. She goes to her towel closet. All the towels are folded perfectly, you know, all exactly the same. And she's looking between the towels, behind the towels, on all the different shelves saying, where did I put it? Where did I put this thing? Where could I have placed it? And she's looking through the whole body. And this goes on for a while. She's searching, searching, searching. And then the Holy Spirit says, it's inside of her, right? It's the thing that she needs is the Holy Spirit, which is really kind of funny that she's looking for it everywhere and it's inside her. So this great treasure treasure that she needed was the Holy Spirit, right? Her relationship with an almighty God. So when this hardship comes, people are going to turn to each other, work together, but people are also going to be turning back to God. So this will be an opportunity for believers to reach out and to teach people about the gospel. Now, and in one of the previous podcasts, I mentioned how when the Russians suddenly attack, that in one scene, the people are all told to give up their money. They're saying, you won't need it. So it seems like, what is the timing of this? Maybe after a war already begins, then money becomes worthless afterward. So this woman loses all of her money. You know, when does this happen? But it does seem to correlate, and it makes sense that it would correlate, that the enemy, the people who are manipulating global events, Bilderbergers, Deep State, Secret Society, Satanists, whatever you call them, the same wicked people, they are causing mayhem and trouble. They're the ones manipulating these things. So they might just take away the dollar and, and have the enemy attack all at once. So it makes sense that they go together. But it seems to me, and again, this is a guess now, that the... Financial attack comes after a war. And I, I could speculate easily. I could imagine how uh, if America started losing a war, people would say, these dollars are worthless. Let's trade them out for some, for some euros or some renminbi or some other currency, right? So, again, that's something I mentioned before. Now, here's an interesting dream. I've never shared this one before on a podcast or a radio show. Uh, it's quite an old dream. Uh, back from the mid-90s when I lived in Philadelphia, I had a lot of dreams about uh, war in America, what I was calling end times dream at the time. 
And there's a small group of people, and, and there are, I've had a lot of dreams like this, small groups of people that are fighting for their own survival. And in this particular case, a man who owned a store has come to them and said, listen, I want you to liberate my store and return it to my possession. It's been taken over by a gang and they won't acknowledge that it's my store. They're now claiming it for themselves. They're selling all my goods. And what's interesting is that on the second floor of this store, it's filled with flat screen TVs, radios, electronic goods. And I'm just thinking, and in the dream, I'm thinking like these people have no electricity, but they're, they're expecting that electricity will return one day. And then this guy is going to have the goods to sell. So he has this building. It's a shop on the first floor. And on the second floor, it's just packed with rows and rows and boxes of electronics. But at the time, no one can use them. But he wants them back because it's his investment. So he tells, he goes and finds this group of militia, some group of fighters, and they're well-known and they have a good reputation. And this is something they've done before. Defend people's property rights and return things to the proper owner in exchange for a fee. So the owner, he comes to them, he says, well, what do you want? And they said, half. He said, what do you mean half? They said, if we liberate your store, you give us half of all the goods. And he says, absolutely not. That's a ridiculous price. And they said, well, then you have nothing. And he thinks about it and he says, okay, fine, half, but he's mad. So these guys go into the store and the gang, they barricade themselves up in this second floor. And this is also very interesting because this is another, again, this is another detail that appears in other dreams. The militia guys, they get up the ladder and they're trying to negotiate. Listen, just come out. We're going to let you go. We're not interested in killing anybody today, but you're going to have to acknowledge publicly that this is not your store and you're going to have to go away. And we're going to take all your guns and your ammunition and anything else you have. And then you can walk free. And they're saying, no, 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 no. We're not going to do that. So there's, there's a standoff. And these guys have so few bullets that they won't use them. Instead, they use, they throw grenades. And finally, when they get a few of their men are injured, the gang says, all right, forget it. We, we, we give, we give, we give. And they walk out. And when the store comes in, store owner comes in, he says, hey, a lot of these things are damaged. He said, that's coming out of your half. And they say, uh, no, it's not. Whatever's left that is good, we split that half and half. And he says, no, no, I'm not doing that. And they said, well, you had the gang before, but now we hold everything. If we want, we'll say it's all ours. Now, how do you want to negotiate? He says, okay, okay, half and half of whatever's good and remains. So this is the kind of thing that's going on. There, nobody's trying to call police because in many of these dreams, it's evident that there are not police. And in fact, some other kind of peacekeepers come in at some point and they're, they're hoped to be good. They're invited, they're allowed, thinking that they're going to establish something, but they're not. They're there to take power for themselves or whoever controls them, whoever they represent truly and honestly. So this is the kind of thing that's going on. And again, there's no money. They're not saying you're going to give us money. They're saying you're going to give us goods. So people are trading, people are bartering for goods. If you have something solid, you can tr you can trade it. So now here's one last dream. And this guy, this dream starts off, a man is walking out of a forest. And he walks across an empty road. No cars pass. He walks down the road, walks through a ditch, and he comes up to an old mini mall, one of these kinds that sits at an intersection. It's on a corner that's shaped like an L or a boomerang layout. 
and there's a huge parking lot between those storefronts and the intersection. And at the corner of this particular one, there's also one single building and it's some kind of a bakery. And the bakery is busy. It's filled with people that are working. There's like two main, main rooms in there. People are making bread. And this guy walks up to the back entrance. He comes in. And he puts an apron on. And he goes to the place where these guys are mixing bread. And he says, uh, hey, I'm looking for a man named Swan. You ever heard of a guy named Swan? They're like, no, no, we don't know anybody around here named Swan. He says, all right, okay. So he goes to the next place where uh, some people are rolling out big blo loaves of bread, big balls of, of dough. And he asked these two guys that are doing this work, he says, hey, uh, do you guys know a guy named Swan? And they said, nah, nah, we don't know this guy. This is, this is a really interesting story because this guy out of the forest, you're going to see, is a man of faith. Again, this is one of these guys that God has raised up, a guy who's safe because God takes care of him, a guy who hears and obeys. And you're going to hear about this. So he then goes to another table where there are these two women, and they're rolling out like... Uh, loaves of bread that you might make a hoagie out of or something. And he asks the first one, he says, do you know a guy named Swan? She says, no, but the other woman says, did you say Swan? He says, yeah, yeah, do you know somebody named that? She said, yeah, he's, uh, he's outside now, he's cleaning ditches on the side of the road. He says, okay, and, but before he can go out, there's a big commotion in the front room of this building, and some people look over and two men have come in, and they have uniforms, not like any I've ever seen before in the U.S. They're gray with like a black stripe down the leg, black trim, black piping. They've got sharp hats that almost look like, honestly, like something like a, some other military, like a, an American officer might wear. These guys come in. They're looking really sharp. And uh, they say, all right, ID check. And they start checking everyone's IDs, asking them different questions. Where do you live? How many people live there? Four. How many people work? Four. Okay. And they're going back and forth. And they get to the guy who's come from the outside. They said, let's see your ID. And while he's seen them working, walking through the building, he decides he can't skip out while they're there. So he goes and gets his hands all mashed into, he throws flour on his apron across his sleeves, gets his hands all sticky with, with wet dough. And when he comes over, he starts kind of poking at his pockets this guy says, listen, you're going to hand me some dirty ID card. And right then, one of the women that was making the, the bread rolls, she says, oh, you know what? He's been working here as long as me from the beginning. We, we've both been here four months. Like, this guy's been working here the whole time. And uh, this guy, this kind of military guy, the security guy, he says, he says, all right, all right, all right. But next time, I want to see an ID. He says, okay, yeah, no problem. I'm real sorry about that. And then they leave. And he says, he tells him, he says, wow, thank you. Because this guy doesn't have an ID. Because he hasn't been, he hasn't submitted to whatever this strange system is. And it gets worse, these guys. So he leaves the building and he sees some tools leaning against these boarded up strip mall off, um, outlets or businesses, small businesses. So he goes over and he grabs a rake and he goes over to where this guy's cleaning the ditches. He jumps down and says, hey, mind if I work with you guys? He says, no, not at all. So they start raking. They're cleaning out these uh, roadside ditches. And other people are sweeping with push brooms this huge <laughs> strip mall parking lot, just sweeping because it's just work. You, everybody has to work. That's the situation. Everyone must work. So he starts talking to this guy named Swan. He says, uh, he says hey, I've been looking for you. He says, why are you looking for me? And they're, the whole time, they don't really look at each other. They keep their heads down, and they're kind of low into this ditch so that no one can really see them, kind of a Gideon situation maybe. And uh, he says, 
He said, I had a dream. The Holy Spirit gave me your name. He told me to come and get you. And the guy says, to do what? To go where? And he says, listen, from the beginning of this, he said, before any of this happened, he said, I prepared. The Holy Spirit told me. He said, I put guns, I put food, I put ammo in the forest. I buried them. I hid them to where only I knew. He said, and now I have all that stuff. He said, I already have some men. Well, actually, yeah, it is. This is like a Gideon. I never looked at it like that before. He says, I've got men in the forest. He said, and the Holy Spirit told me to come and get you to come live with us. The guy says, well, I'm not, I don't know about that. And right about then, this woman comes over and joins them. And as soon as she does, the guy from the forest, he stops talking. And the guy, the man named Swan, he just keeps raking. And the woman starts talking, 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 won't stop talking. She's just talking the whole time about this and that. She says, oh, I had to go this morning. I was a little bit late. And I had to take my pill and the guards, they were mad. And through the conversation, I understand that this woman has to take some kind of a pill every morning. She has to show up. And these guys in the gray uniforms, they make her take a pill. And she has to stand there in front of them and take it and then show them that she took it. Like somebody living in an insane house. And this woman, her eyes are like bulgy. Like her eyes are really prominently protruding out of the sockets. It's something really strange. And she looks unusual. And when she walks away, the guy from the forest says, who was that? And Swan says, well, that's my wife. And um, he says, that's my wife. He said, can I take her with us? And the guy from the forest says, no, no way. He said, she's gone. She's absolutely gone. And, they, and it, Swan explains to him what happened, that when these people arrived, these security forces, she was outspoken saying, no, no, these guys are no good. We don't want to have anything to do with this. These guys can go back to where they came from. She's against them. She opposes them verbally, outright. And so she, they grab her one day. They take her to basically a summary military hearing. They convict her of breaking the law, which is you can't speak out against this, this security people who are in place. And, and because she did, she now has to take this pill every day. And this pill prevents her from telling any kind of a lie. She can't resist. So if they ask her anything, she tells them. And that's why this guy from the forest says, she cannot come with us. And he, and he says, she's dead. I don't know what that means, but he says, she's dead. Like, you, you can't get her back, basically. So, and more of their conversation goes on. And this guy from the forest, he's saying, so this whole time, one truck rumbles by. And it's an old, like one of these 1950s stepside uh, Chevy pickups. And it's playing this song. I've never heard this song before, but it's basically a, sell, a song saying, yeah, we're living through a hell on earth. That's what's happening now. It's a hell on earth. And it was some kind of a song. And there was like this sense that it was a really popular song at the time. Like someone had written this song and it became popular. And this truck's going down the road and it's playing that music. And this guy said from the forest says, you know, they watered down the gas long before any of this happened. And Swan says... Well, why? How do you know that? He said, I took some, he said, again, the Holy Spirit showed me they were going to do that. He said, so I put some gas in a tank. And I let it sit for five years. And then when I argued with my neighbor and he wouldn't believe me, I came and I poured some out. And that was exactly why I had that gasoline in reserve. And so we poured out some of the new gasoline and you could see clear as day that it that it, they'd been watering it down, that the gasoline is weaker and thinner than it ever was before. And I says, oh, that's really interesting. And that's basically the end of all those scenes. 
And then it's, this dream skips forward to the end of the day. And all these people, they've worked all day. And at the end of their shift, some men come into the bakery and the people from the parking lot come in and join them there. And they all get a little square of, it's like a blue piece of cutout paper and it's laminated, but it's just maybe an inch and a half in each side. And every day they change the color and you have to take that day's chit, it's called a chit, you have to take it, well, I, I, it's basically a chit. It's a voucher of some type. Okay, you worked a whole day. You get this. And then they all have to walk down to the city hall and wait in line. And then for a full day's work, they receive one day's worth of food for one person. So that if you had someone who was sick and couldn't work, they didn't get food. You had to carry their weight. You had six people in the house. One of them gets sick. You've got to, everybody gets 80%. Everybody gets an 80% portion that day because there's not enough food. That, that guy didn't work. He didn't get a day's worth of food for one person. And it just really reminds me of this scripture, Revelation 6.6. 6. It's the third seal. And it says, And I heard a voice in the midst of the four beasts say, A measure of wheat for a penny, and three measures of barley for a penny. And see thou hurt not the oil and the wine. So, that measurement works out to one day's worth of calories. I did the math once. Like that amount of bread, it's really about like a whole loaf of bread has about enough calories for one person for a day. So if you were working for a day and getting a day's worth of food and you could survive on it for a day, that's, that's what that statement, it's, it's equivalent to what they're saying in Revelation chapter 6, verse 6. You work a day, you get a, a day's worth of food for one person. And that's what was happening in this dream. <clears throat> so those are the dreams I wanted to share. So you can see in all of those dreams that money is lost, that people have to work instead. If you want to get food, you have to work instead. People have to work together. They uh, pool their resources. But some people are in a very different situation. They still have their freedom they're not being forced to take pills. They, they live in the forest, but they're prepared because they prepared in advance because they listened to God, they believed God. And that is what the scriptures say, my friend. It says, the man who built his house on a rock, if you go and look at this scripture, the man who built his house on a rock, he was the one, Jesus said, who hears these words of mine and does them. So you hear Jesus and you do what Jesus tells you. That's who's safe. Those who dwell in the sacred place of the Most High, they are going to be protected. People say, well, I'm claiming Psalms 91, brother. But do you dwell in the sacred place of the Most High? This is definitely a qualified promise. If you don't meet the qualifications, the promise is not for you. Maybe perhaps God will be generous and protect you anyway, but, but the scripture is saying there are certain things. We must draw near to God, my friend. Put our trust in him. He will be faithful. Whatever we need, he will provide. But you have to be able to hear his voice. And if you don't know how to hear his voice, start praying for things. Start praying into issues in your life. If you don't understand the scripture, pray and ask Holy Spirit, please explain this verse because you need to know that the Holy Spirit will do that, that it's something that happens today. It has been continuous from the time of Pentecost. 
The Holy Spirit has not faded or weakened or gone away or shut off some quadrant of the world. None of that has happened. God is our Father. Jesus is our Rabbi. And the Holy Spirit is our teacher. If you need to be taught something, ask the Holy Spirit. If you have a need, ask your Father in heaven. And you need to prepare yourself to lead people to Christ, to preach the gospel, and to bring people to know God. Not to understand the Bible, to compare one passage, know about what St. Augustine wrote or some guy in 4th century uh, after Christ wrote. No, you don't need to know any of that. You need to know God. You need to know the voice of God and have a heart to follow him, which is far easier if you've been doing it for many years before trial comes. Pray for the gifts, my friends. Look up all the gifts in the scriptures, and if one calls you, pray for that. Or just pray, Holy Father in heaven, you know what I have need of. Please give it to me, including the gifts. If it's dreams or visions or revelations or words of knowledge, words of wisdom, whatever it is, Father, you know that I need it. Please give it to me, and I thank you now for it. And be confident that he's going to give you those things. Be confident. Read yourself some James chapter 4, whole book of James. It's a short, wonderful book with a lot of active things, things that you can take action on immediately. So friends, the time is coming when people will not be able to rely on money, rely on their bank accounts, rely on their jobs to provide their daily needs or to make them feel superior to others. Instead, we need to be humble, work with one another, accept help when we need it, Provide help when we have it. And put our trust in God, because God will provide. Jehovah Jireh means the God who sees your needs. And because he's our Father, he provides. This is Robert Avila reminding you, as always, to pray or be defeated.